Welcome to Unlike-Minded, a sci-fi audio anthology. The Guide by Robbie Hine Do I know you? He asked softly. I'd like to think so. What's your name? I've had many names over the years, she noted. I think, in this form, I prefer Thana. It was only then that he truly beheld that form for all that it was. She was beautiful, with delicate features, Deep, dark eyes that swirled with hues of chestnut, black and gray. Soft, umber skin. Wavy, midnight hair. All of which almost seemed to glow. A gentleness radiating off of her. A grace that invited confidence and trust. She smiled warmly at him before looking off into the distance, apparently undisturbed by his careful study of her presence. After a few moments, he followed her eyes to discover the vast, open valley of grass and lilies in which they rested. It was wondrous, everything painted in the glimmer of the setting sun. A subtle breeze washed endlessly all around them, carrying with it the delicate tune of some faraway birds. He marveled at all this that surrounded him, for how long he didn't quite know. Only after a while he spoke softly to her again. Why are we here? I was going to ask you the same question. Shall we go for a walk and find out, she suggested. With that, they headed off through the valley. She walked by his side, but let him lead their way. Though where they were headed, he didn't know. How could he? This place was new to him. Yet as they continued onward, he got the sense that it wasn't entirely unfamiliar. Lilies were his mother's favorite flower. She often said they tickled her nose. (laughs) He thought she might be allergic. Still, every weekend, wrinkling her nose, she would bring some inside to display in their entryway. The soft whistle of the birds reminded him of his father, who would often himself whistle while walking. He thought back to when his father used to take him to Main Street every Tuesday and Thursday evening to visit Miss Mala, who would offer him sweets. Then Mr. Westwater, who would invite him into the town bar to watch whatever game was playing that night. He remembered the smell of wood, tobacco, and rum, the clinking of glasses, the towering men and women, and the way they would lift him high in the air whenever there was cause for celebration. Even the breeze down to its cool touch against his skin, felt familiar, inviting, kind, as if it were encouraging him onward. About halfway through the valley, Thana finally spoke to him again. So, tell me about yourself. I thought you knew me already. She smiled warmly again at this retort, but made no further inquiry. He got the sense she could tell what he was thinking, and it was offering him the space to speak it into the world if he wanted to. They walked a while more before he finally gave in. I love lilies, he offered. It was a half-truth. He loved who they reminded him of. Did she know that? He paused before deciding it was safe to offer more. I grew up in a small town in Michigan, maybe a few hundred people. I was a good student, I think. Played baseball. I went to college at the University of Wisconsin and stayed at Madison a long while after. Rhodes, she interjected in a quiet moment. Tell me about you. This was the first time she'd used his name. 
he felt a strange affection for her. She had chosen his middle name, which he had been going by his whole life, rather than his given first name, Nicholas. I, I think I'm a good man. I've made mistakes, sure, but who hasn't? I've loved, lived, filled my heart with joy, passion, and aspiration, pursued my dreams, accomplished some of them. I regret some things, some things I've missed or walked away from. I've always felt a sense of loneliness. Not that people haven't understood me, but that I may not have given them any real chance. But in the end, I think I feel like I did well enough. I think I feel like I was a good man. She studied him, that same warm smile never wavering. Still, he got the sense she could see every detail etched between his ambiguity. They found themselves at the edge of a large forest. Before them, tall trees reached up to the sky. A vast, thick array of greens mingled with browns and yellows and dark blues that made it hard to see anything happening within. A light fog poured out along the forest floor, evaporating as it reached the valley's edge. He could hear crickets, more birds, and the soft rustle of leaves. The distant cracks of branches. Not in a foreboding kind of way, but just inherent of the place, he supposed. Nevertheless, everything seemed almost to echo, melding together in an orchestra of the unknown. Would you like to turn back? Thana asked patiently. Why would I? Some do, she confessed. You've been here before. Not here exactly, no. But at this waypoint. He started forward. He wasn't afraid, per se. More apprehensive. Something told him the forest, too, would be familiar in ways, just as a valley had been. But what ways left much to be desired? As he remained rooted in his spot, pondering the implications of moving forward or turning back, he began to hear whispers calling to him. They seemed to glide out of the forest with the fog, evaporating around him before he could make out anything that they were saying. Still, he felt their meaning somewhere deep inside him. They were beckoning him forward, urging him not to be afraid. The only thing was, he didn't know if he could trust them. You'll be with me, he asked Thana after a while. Every step of the way. I think I'm ready. Very well, she said. After you. He took a deep, steadying breath, then ventured forward. Where before they walked side by side, now Thana held back several paces. At first he wondered if she was afraid of what might come in the woods. A silly thought, but birthed no doubt in her question of turning back. As time went on, however, he recognized the space she was offering him to face this next unknown. She was allowing him to find courage walking this path his way, at his pace, without any expectation. They continued on for some while. All around him, he could still hear those far-off whispers calling out, yet no matter where he walked, not a single one seemed to be getting louder or closer or any more distinct. They remained just outside his reach, somewhere hidden amongst the trees. He found himself following this one, then that one, another and another and another, none bearing fruit. He kept turning back, expecting Thana to say something. Surely her patience would only extend so far. His did. But she, on the other hand, stayed as steadfast and as curious as ever, often looking from this tree to that brush to a blade of grass as if they were the most interesting things to behold. It was infuriating. 
I feel like we've been moving in circles, he seethed rather abruptly. Hmm, she pondered. I thought that red pine looked familiar. We're obviously lost. Perhaps you're not so ready to face this part of the journey. I'm trying. Aren't I trying, he pressed. You are. So what am I doing wrong? You're attempting to follow every voice that calls to you rather than really listening. Deep down, you know which voices rise above the rest. You must hold space for them to see the way forward through the forest. He sank back into her words. Her meaning this time was plain, but still he struggled at just how to follow that guidance. As if reading his mind, she offered more. Stop for a moment. Quiet your mind. Don't listen. Feel. How do you know all this, he asked, rather than quieting his mind. I've learned it. It is my very being. Each person is different, yet they must walk a similar path to reach. She broke off. Reach what? He inquired hastily. The end. For a few moments, he stared off into the forest. Then he did as she suggested, shifting forward and standing up straight. He closed his eyes, focusing on his breath. That's what his meditation coach had always suggested for quieting one's mind. The next part wasn't so easy. Or it wasn't as well practiced at the very least. Don't listen. Feel, he repeated in his head. Try as he may, no voices rose above the rest as she had suggested. On the contrary, their mingled chorus, however quiet, was becoming altogether overwhelming. Only on occasion did he think he could understand a word breaking through. Failure. Liar. Hurt. He winced and recoiled with each one, until finally, just at the point in which he was about to scream, he shot open his eyes. At once, everything fell silent. Then a ringing filled his ears, slowly dissipating back to the natural and unnatural sounds of the forest. The far-off whispers began again, somehow more distant than ever before. It's no use, he said dejectedly. She simply smiled, gesturing somewhere ahead of them. He turned to look. The light fog along the forest floor was gathering into a narrow pathway that weaved off into the distance. The whispers of the forest seemed to be collecting with it, sucked from their inaccessible distance, and falling silent when they connected into the track of cloud. Even darkness seemed to gather around them. Shall we? Thana asked when all seemed quiet again. He steadied himself and nodded. At once, stepping into the path, seemed to burst particles of fog up and all around him the water droplets glistening before dissipating. He continued on, Thana just behind him, weaving along the path. A short way along, he could swear he smelled blueberry pancakes. He smiled. Those were his daughter's favorites. His wife used to get up early and make them for the children every Sunday morning. It was a tradition. Her tradition. His smile faded. Not much further, that smell began to mingle with many others. Pine tar a mainstay scent of his time playing baseball, rosemary, the scent of his mother's nursing home, wet dog, coffee with a touch of vanilla, lilies again. They hit him in huge wafts, calling to people, places, and things within his mind, but not in the same way the valley had. The smells carried a hollowness to them, and inscrutability he found, well, heartbreaking. Still, he continued along the path. Next came the sounds reverberating above the whispers, his son's laughter which seemed to slowly and unnaturally age and deepen. A group's clapping hands 
tingling with the feeling of every promotion he'd ever achieved, and yet somehow empty of any real meaning. Someone crying. He didn't know who. A door slamming. A telephone ringing and ringing and ringing. And then the cooing of a baby. He faltered, unsteady before even remembering Zana was still there. How much further, he asked. Not far now, I think, she comforted. He was growing tired. Nevertheless, he knew this was not the place to stop and rest, though he worried what more he had to endure ahead. As he continued walking, the fog seemed to branch out around him in strands that then rose from the ground, reforming into... They weren't ghosts. He knew that much for sure. They felt more like... Echoes. Imprints of his mind forming all around him. Scenes from his past played out half-hidden among the trees. Recollections. Memories. Moments that added up to some understanding he had yet to uncover. A young man, crying leaning into an equally young Rhodes, then turning and walking away, disappearing into a poof of dissipating cloud. Rhodes, sitting at his desk, his daughter growing up before his very eyes. A casket, hands reaching for each other, unable to touch, then more suddenly a car zooming towards him, faster and faster and faster still, just about to crash into him when, as he braced for impact, it slammed into some sort of invisible force field he turned quickly back to Thana, who lowered her hand. Had she stopped the car from hitting him? Did he even deserve the reprieve? He longed to ask her, but no words escaped him now. Was he supposed to just continue onward? In that lowest of moments, as he peered along the path again, he saw a thick stream of sunlight pouring down some ways ahead. He moved towards it, and all the fog seemed to fade away from the path, scattering and disappearing back into the woods from which it came. With each step, more and more light seemed to break through the canopy of darkness. He forged ahead until he reached a crossroads. Thana glided to his side again, studying the two paths before him. One, well-worn, headed off to the right. Another, clean of any tracks, headed off to the left. I believe there's an old adage that might be of some use here, she offered. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. He felt the twinge of a smile. Robert Frost. She too smiled, that knowing smile. He was becoming all too familiar with it. Before she could say anything more, he moved off to the left. The road less traveled. Sometime later, he and Thena emerged from the forest. The path, leading them out onto an expansive plateau that rose far above anything else he could see on the horizon. If that were the case, though, he couldn't help but wonder if they were reaching the alluded-to end point on their journey. Or perhaps there was some way down the plateau he couldn't see yet. Where are we going, he asked. He knew the answer before she said it. If I had to hazard a guess, I'd say right up there. She pointed to the highest ledge of the plateau. What's up there, he asked. Peace, I think. Her words were the nudge he needed. And so, they headed up the plateau. The path to the highest ledge was quieter than anything they'd experienced thus far. He was grateful for the respite, especially after all they'd gone through in the forest. They didn't have to travel far now. Nevertheless, it wasn't until they were very near that he finally saw it. A large farmhouse resting atop the plateau, too close to the edge for his comfort, but he let those feelings subside as they moved closer and closer to the worn, white picket fence. 
They stopped at the gate. I know this place, he said softly. He stared up at the prodigious farmhouse, the vast pitched roof with several gable dormers, the ample patio adorned with intentionally overgrown greenery, the beautiful mixture of moss that climbed its pillars, everything down to the wood scuffed and riddled with memories of its own. It was beautiful. But the question was, what lay within? He unlocked the gate, holding it open. Then I moved on to the property, gliding along the fringes with them until he dared move in closer. They slid quietly up the stairs of the patio where, along the far end, he ran his hand along the edge of a hanging wooden porch swing with several initials carved into the back. He touched them one by one and his body tingled. Then he slid past it, leading Thana towards a large floor-to-ceiling window. They peered inside together at a vast open living room and the adjoining kitchen just a few steps up along the back end of the house. Several people moved about inside, completely unaware of their new onlookers. Two men in their early 20s sat together on the love seat, sharing videos on their phones, laughing, blushing, in complete bliss. A woman only slightly older than the men, who closely resembled one of them, trailed her young daughter gliding around the room, playing with an old stuffed animal. They laughed in their spirited chase. Behind them, an older woman with slightly graying hair scuffled around the kitchen preparing supper. She seemed at peace there. An older man joined her to help. He resembled the forest echo of the young man leaning into a younger Rhodes, crying before turning away. Rhodes instinctually reached out, his fingertips touching the cold window. Finally, and furthest back in his own far-off corner, was the oldest of the group, a frail-looking man in a rocking chair partially obscured from view as he faced out his favorite window over the cliffside. He hummed a soft tune. Somehow Rhodes could hear it. What a beautiful family, Thana remarked. Rhodes' eyes welled with tears, unable to tear himself even for a moment from the goings-on inside the window. He responded ever so quietly. They're perfect. I look forward to meeting them someday. Maybe I can introduce you. I'd like that, she hummed. Can we go inside, he pressed. The door's right over there, she offered kindly, gesturing to a large oak front door across the patio. He moved towards it with haste before realizing that Thana had stayed behind. Aren't you coming, he asked. Not for this part, Rhodes. But, he began, I'll be right here when you're ready. He nodded, understanding her meaning. She sat down on the porch swing, staring out over the sunlit plateau. With a deep, steadying breath, he opened the front door and slid quietly inside. He stayed inside the homestead for quite some time, minutes giving away to hours, giving away to days, sunsets and sunrises, yet it felt like no time at all. One evening, some days later, he returned to the porch to find Thanos still sitting alone. You're still here, he said. I- I'm sorry, I lost track of time. It's quite all right, she assured him. I told you I would be here. When you're ready. He slid cautiously over to her. What if I'm never ready? What I mean to say is, what if I don't want to move on from this place? You must, she said in her usual obscure way. He found it incredibly frustrating. A heat bubbled up inside him. Why must he leave, he wondered. If he were content here, happy even, surely then she would leave him and move on herself. Surely there were others who needed her. I want to stay, he insisted, trying to keep his shaky voice level-toned. Stay then, she said, as you need. 
I am patient, and this time is yours. He couldn't take it any longer. You don't understand my meaning, he fumed. I'm not leaving. I'm happy here. For the first time in as long as I can remember, I have everything I could ever need. And they finally have you. Yes, he said before truly comprehending her meaning. Then he sat back, embarrassed as the truth washed over him. Yes, he repeated softly. And I won't leave them again. I can't. Only now you must. No, he screamed, infuriated by this abrupt truth. Get out of here. Back to wherever you came from. I don't need you anymore. She didn't say anything now. She simply stared out onto the property. As he always seemed to, he followed her eyes into the night. The moon was half full, but with the help of countless stars, painted the grounds in a cool glow. At once, the anger, the heat inside him began to subside. Please, he implored more calmly. Still, she said nothing. Dejected, he slid off the porch swing and moved back inside, abandoning her in the night. A few more days passed before he returned to the patio to see her under the stars again. As he sat down next to her, he said, I'm sorry. You have nothing to be sorry for, she insisted. I understand. More than you know. Do you have a family? He found himself asking. No, she said plainly. Don't you feel lonely? She paused for a moment. I feel as though I have a purpose and that I experience the love of family through you and all those I help along this journey. He sat with her a while on the porch swing under the stars. They didn't need to speak anymore. Nevertheless, before the sun began to rise on the horizon, he turned to her again. I need a bit more time, he said. She smiled that warm smile, turning to him. Take all the time you need. It was a long while before he saw her again. He sometimes checked the window just to be sure she was still there. And there she sat, day in and day out, on that beautiful porch swing that swung lightly beneath her. When he finally joined her, it was in the early hours of the morning, still dark out just as their last few meetings had been. His eyes were swollen and red, his cheeks blotched with drying tears. He sat quietly next to her. I, he started, but he couldn't finish. I know, she said. A day isn't enough. A week isn't enough. A month isn't enough. In truth, a lifetime wouldn't feel like enough to him now. And yet, that's what he had had before. Only he hadn't appreciated it. In all the time he still wished to cling to, he knew he had reached the next threshold of his journey. The final threshold. I wanted to leave before they woke up. Do you think they'll know I was here? I mean, really? I do, she responded. He wiped away fresh tears, then rose from the porch swing. Thana remained seated. Where to next, he asked. Shall we go for a walk and find out? A voice said calmly, but not Thana's. He turned, his heart filling to the brim even before he saw her. His mother was slowly moving towards him from a nearby garden at the edge of the property. She smelled of lilies. He turned back to Thana, who smiled that ever-familiar smile. He didn't have to say thank you. He felt it, and he knew now she understood. She nodded him to go. And so he turned, joining his mother hand in hand, 
crossing the grounds and moving down the plateau into the sunrise itself. Elsewhere entirely, a family sat in silence around a dimly lit sterile room. There was the oldest among them, Robert, his daughter-in-law Elizabeth with her lightly graying hair, her son Johnny, and his boyfriend Ash, Johnny's older sister Sarah, who held her daughter Lizzie close, and their uncle Andrew, unrelated by blood but connected to the family by love. In their center lay Nicholas Rhodes Cyrus, unconscious, breathing through a tube and connected to a large high-tech tablet via what seemed like hundreds of nodes and thin wires stemming from his head, his chest, even along his arms. His chest rose and fell slowly. He seemed at peace. At least, that's what they liked to think. After a few moments, a handsome young doctor glided in from another room. He spent a short while assessing all the tablet had to offer then bowed his head. Elizabeth swallowed hard, having been watching him closely. Is it time? Nearly, I think, the doctor said calmly. All our readings seem to indicate that he's at the end of the path, but she'll be able to tell us so, soon enough. Does he know we're here? Johnny chimed in. I think so, yes, the doctor encouraged. We love you, Dad, said Sarah, squeezing Lizzie even closer. Johnny fell into Ash's embrace. Andrew stepped forward at once, looking to Elizabeth for permission. She nodded, offering it. He reached to hold Rhodes's right hand. Elizabeth reached out to hold them both in her own hand. It was a short while longer before a soft peeping stirred them all from their quiet. The doctor silenced it almost immediately, then typed on his tablet. A small hologram appeared above an implant attached to the top of Rhodes's left hand. It was Thena, or a version of her. She remained silent for a moment, with full understanding of the heaviness weighing the room. Then she spoke in her softest, most calming voice. I have guided him along the path. He faced it with strength, with grace, with love, and eventual acceptance. I feel the true love he has for each and every one of you. She paused, then turned to the doctor. Dr. Magnuson? I think you'll be pleased with his neural reports and see that his mind is as ready as his body. His heart rate is slowing, brain activity lessening at a steady rate. He feels no pain. In short, when you remove the ventilator device, he is prepared to pass on. Thank you, guide, the doctor responded to the AI. At once, her hologram disappeared back into the implant. He turned to two technicians waiting just outside the room who entered quietly. Together with the doctor, they began removing Thana's connections to Rhodes's body and mind, needle by needle, wire by wire, node by node. Then finally, they removed the implant from his left hand. Run a full diagnostic on her, will you? The technicians nodded, then exited the room. After a few moments, Dr. Magnuson addressed the family. I'm going to remove his breathing tube now. You should all have a little time to say your final goodbyes. No one said anything. They were lost in their own journeys of grief now. Dr. Magnuson slowly moved around to the side, unhooking the breathing tube from Rhodes's mouth and setting it next to the ventilator. He moved out of the room in silence, leaving the family to face their loss together. And so they did, with strength, with grace, with love, and eventually acceptance.
This has been Unlike Minded, a sci-fi audio anthology. The Guide was written by Robbie Hine and narrated by Alex Kiana. Unlike Minded is an August year-round production, created, produced, and edited by Robbie Hine. Our associate producer for this episode is Cindy Hine. We'd like to give a special thank you to everyone who has supported this independent podcast production. You can keep up to date and find more info about this podcast and others on Instagram at the handle August Year Round Prod or email us at augustyearround at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tune in next week for another episode of Unlike Minded. Thank you for listening. Thank you.